Let me know if you get it, because I got nothing here. <laughs> hey, uh, I want to do something. As you guys know, we're... Uh... Hey, we need music. Uh, let's start all over. at church are at church because somebody invited them. And 70% of people would come to church if somebody would invite them. So what a great opportunity for God to use you. Take the plunge. Obey the nudge and invite someone to join you for Alpha. It's okay. Some will, some won't. Trust God for the increase. Mrs. Edwards, you want to listen to some music on the way? Go ahead, your choice. Okay, here we are. Much better. I didn't know what to do there. I know you're drinking, but will you come up on the stage for a second and help me out? Sarah? So here's the deal. While she's on her way up, uh, you know uh, Alpha's about to uh, start up here in just a couple weeks, and I just want to show you how easy it is to invite a friend to Alpha. We ask you to pray about 10 people and to invite them, and if the statistics are true, that statistic was 80%. Uh, the other thing we heard was 7 out of 10, so we'll take the low number. If 7 out of 10 people will come, count the number of people in this room, we would be well over 500 if we were all were faithful to that. But, but it's really this simple. So Hey, Sarah, how are you doing? Great. How's yoga? Fabulous. Yeah, it's going well. I think it's on. They'll get you going here in a second. Oh, okay. We're having one of those kind of mornings. So, hey, a bunch of friends of mine are all getting together on Monday nights, and uh, we're just going to watch a video. We're going to eat dinner together, uh, watch a video, and just have a great conversation about faith. And I wonder if you'd be willing to come. You can just come one week and check it out, but I'd love for you to be there. I don't know. Is that something that would interest you? Um, well, tell me a little bit more. Well, it's just, it's really non-threatening. What we're trying to do is create an environment where we're gonna, just going to talk about what we believe, talk about matters of faith. We just, it's, you can ask any question you want. It's wide open. It's just a, a fun place. And, and part of it is just to make some great friends, uh, and we get to eat together. And we're doing it at Fishbone, so it's not even at a church. It's going to be cool. Um, I'd love for you to come. It's going to be Monday nights. And uh, like I said, just come once and check it out. I think, I think you'd really like it. Will you come can, with us? Can I bring a friend? Oh, you can bring 10 friends. Oh, okay. <laughs> that okay. would be great. So you think you might want to do that? How about I pick you up? 
Oh. How about sure. Megan? I pick you up so that's not weird. You're so aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, sure. Okay. And then we made these cute little cards for you, and you write on the back of the card where you're going to go, whether you're coming on Sunday afternoons or Tuesday nights or fish bones, or we just found out we're going to be doing it at Mercury Bar downtown or at somebody's house. It says right on it. Here's the address. Here's the time. And you say, hey, it'll be great. I'll, uh, Meg and I will pick you up, and we'll be there. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. That wasn't so hard, was it? Thank you, Sarah. We have invite cards that you can use. We have door hangers if you want to work your neighborhood and just hang some things up. We have little cards like this that you can hand out. What we're trying to do is give you everything you might possibly need to make the invite easy for you. So uh, invite your friends. You should be praying about who you want. Um, part of the prayer and fasting time is to just be praying uh, for those people. Ask God to put somebody on your heart. There's been people who have been surprising to me who God has stirred in my heart to invite uh, to our Alpha. But I just want to make sure... Uh, everybody knows that. One more quick announcement. Uh, next Sunday at 3 o'clock, uh, we have something called New Member Class. If you are thinking about being a member, um, even if you're not sure, this is the ideal thing for you to come to. It is your next step. So it starts at 3, goes till uh, 6.30 or so. We have a dinner together, and we just walk through who we are as a church, our history, our beliefs, uh, how we do discipleship, how we organize the church, uh, the leadership of the church, all of those questions. As a matter of fact, we start by asking you, what do you need to know in order to make an informed decision? So even if you're just contemplating maybe being a member, if you go to the class, you're not forced to be a member, uh, but it's a great way for you to get to know us. So that, but we need to know you're coming because there is a dinner. So just stop at the information counter, um, tell Paula that you're going to be there, whoever's at the information counter, and we'll make sure um, we get you set up with that. So uh, I wanted to share, I asked people to send me um, kind of some emails or texts about the fasting, uh, and I want to share just one particular email that I got this week because it just was very moving for me. The person that sent this, a friend of mine, they're fasting from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. So um, this is what the, their email said. It said, the fast has been an incredible part of, sorry, the fast has been an incredible journey. Part of fasting 7 to 7 is getting up at 6 a.m. every day, even on weekends. In the beginning, I would wake up and I would start making food right away, but pretty quickly I realized that this was the wrong priority. So now I start out with prayer, the Word of God, and journaling. And these morning hours when the sun is still down have become my favorite part of fasting and a time when I feel closest to the Lord, a time when he's doing the most work in me. I also had our, we also had our first Sabbath yesterday from 7 p.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, Friday to Saturday. Nothing short of amazing. I did no homework. We had no screen time. And we spent pretty much the entire time just enjoying each other. Our goal is to make this a weekly practice. The beginning week of the fast, the depth and weight and severity and the nature of my own sin life was revealed to me. And it was incredibly heavy weight to bear. But it did something so important. It opened my eyes to how desperately I am still in need of a Savior. And now God has been showing me changes that I need to make in my attitude and the way I live my life particularly centered around home. God is continuing to work in my life. I've really been convicted and needing to have more comprehensive intercession-type prayer life and praying for my husband. So that's where it all begins. Isn't that awesome? I love those. We should clap for that. So over and over, what I'm hearing from you is it's actually having an impact in my home. It's actually changing my work environment. It's changing how I'm interacting with the world. And that's part of this whole pursuit thing. If we pursue God, God moves towards us. If we move towards God, God moves towards us. And something pretty profound happens. So we've talked about fasting. We've talked about Sabbath. Uh, we've talked about, I can't remember, 
Communion, thank you. Good thing you're here. I'm, I'm like all over the place today. We talked about communion, making sure we come to the communion table uh, in a worthy manner. And this week, uh, we're going to talk about something that's probably not what you would expect. We're going to talk about music. We're going to talk about, whoop, whoop. We're going to talk about music. And here's what I want you to take away from today. The, the one thing that, that kind of runs through the entire day is that music is having an impact. You cannot escape this reality. Even if you're not a musician, even if you're not a singer, even if what just happened on the stage would never be you, you're not going to come up here, music is still impacting you. And so what I want to do to start this out is uh, I want to invite you into a bit of an emotional journey with me. I'm going to ask that we turn the house lights all the way down. And the only reason we do that is to uh, eliminate distractions. We're going to turn off the the, the screens if we can for just a moment or or have them go black. And we're just going to play some music. And I want you to feel the music and I want you to remember the music. So lights, can we come down? Part of me wanted to stop swimming, run up the steps. I don't know what else. But it stirs all kinds of emotion. Music is having an impact. You can't escape the reality that music is having an impact in your life. 
I want to frame the discussion today by just using a couple passages of scriptures. And part of the reason I want to do that is because we're a church and that's what we do. But I also want you to know that this is not just the psycho mumbo jumbo uh, that we're going to talk about today. God has designed us to respond to music. It's part of our physiological makeup to respond to music. And I want to bring that out. But there's more than just what happens to us. Something happens in the supernatural when music is brought into play as well. So grab your Bibles, turn to Acts 16. Acts 16, we're going to read verses 25 through 33. And while you're looking for that, I want to just give you a little backstory so you know the story that I'm talking about. But Paul and his friend Silas are in Philippi and they're doing ministry. And there is this woman that's following him who's possessed by a demon and because she's possessed by a demon she has this uh, ability to be a fortune teller and while she's following Paul and Silas she's shouting out these guys are are, are from from God these guys worship the true God they're, and they're kind of annoying Paul and Silas and finally Paul gets upset and he casts out the demon because he started listening to this woman and the people she's a slave and the people that own the girl are upset because she was making them money this demonic manifestation they would actually sell that to other people as a fortune teller. Now they lost money, so they, they raise a, uh, a bunch of people up, and they come against Paul and Silas. And in the end, Paul and Silas are arrested for disturbing the peace. They're flogged, which we can read that and be like, oh, that's, that sounds terrible. But trust me, it's horrific. They're flogged. They're put into stocks, and they're thrown into prison, okay? So that's all that's just happened. And so we pick up the story, and it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prisons were shaken at once all of the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose the jailer woke up and he saw the prison doors open he drew his sword and was about to kill himself he's going to do that because that would have been the punishment for him anyway for the prisoners escaping verse 28 says but Paul shouted don't harm yourself we're all here Verse 29, the jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and all of your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, which means they explained what was going on into his household. And in that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds because they had been flogged. And then immediately he and all his household were baptized. So there's a ton going on in this one uh, little section of scripture. We could do a whole series, as a matter of fact, of sermons on this, but I just want to point out a couple of quick observations uh, this morning. And here's the deal. There is a direct connection between the prayer and the music and the sequence of events that take place afterwards. First question that we should ask ourselves is, why would Paul and Silas be singing in the first place? Would you? I know I probably wouldn't be. I mean, I have a spirit of grumbling and complaining when I don't get what I want for dinner, right? But to be flogged and to be thrown in jail and to be in stocks and to be in the inner part of the prison where it's cold and damp and you have these wounds, it's, it's pretty unlikely that that would be my first reaction. But why are Paul and Silas singing? Because they know that this is the best way to recenter themselves and keep their eyes on what really matters. The right kind of music at the right time actually has the ability to settle our hearts, to settle our spirits, and to remind us of truth. There's something else that we see in this story. Prayer has this ability to break the chains 
of, of, of oppression. Prayer and music together, when we listen to music and we allow that music to, to guide what we're thinking about and what we're, what's going on in our spirit, that prayer and music has the ability to break the oppression in our lives. Paul and Silas were literally in chains. And the passage says they were praying and singing. There was an earthquake. And then it says at once, all the prison doors flew open and the chains came loose. Prayerful music can break the chains of oppression. The question is, where do you need to experience freedom? Where do you still find yourself in bondage? What are you holding on to that you need to leave behind? Sometimes it's a song repeated as a prayer back to God that, that will break whatever that is that has got its hold on you. Paul and Silas were not the only ones that experienced freedom. Freedom actually came to the people that were around them as well. If you, if you notice in the story, there's a jailer right, in his household, and they all experienced freedom. And, and what struck me this week as I was thinking about the sermon is, is, is Paul and Silas were in jail, but they were really free because they knew Jesus. And the jailer, he was free, but he was the really the one that was in bondage. So the, the true freedom of this story isn't about Paul and Silas being let out of the prison. The true freedom of the story is what happened to the jailer. And it all started with music and prayer. It all started at midnight with a couple of guys who just sing some hymns as a way of keeping their hearts focused on God. And God responds to the prayers. God responds to the music. The earth shakes, the chains are broken, and freedom is a part of it. One of the authors I read this week said, What seems to be the gate of death and of hell may be converted by prayer and song into the gate of heaven and the avenue of paradise. It has a way of turning our circumstances completely around. Music has a way of pushing away the darkness. God inhabits the praise of his people, the scriptures say. You remember the story of Saul and David? And I know there's a lot of different stories, but there's one particular story where Saul, it says, is tortured by a demon, that he is depressed. I think it would, it's probably modern day depression that a darkness would come over him. And Saul is deeply depressed and says the demon tormented him. And so they said, well, we know a guy and he could come and he could play for you and something will happen. So second, or first Samuel 16 says, David would take up his lyre and he would play and relief would come to Saul, he would feel better, and the evil spirits would leave him. Because of the music that David was playing, evil flees the scene. Music has the ability to change our circumstances. The question is, is it changing it for the better or for the worse? So what I want to do is a way of unpacking this a little further. We're going to do something different. I'm going to invite the worship leaders to come up here, and we're just going to talk about how music has impacted us personally. And I just want you to hear it from them, and I can preach this through, but I think their testimony really serves to help us understand the power of music. And while they're coming out and we're getting everything set up, I want to share another interesting thing I discovered this week. There is all kinds of secular research out there. Many different universities have done this research, and what they've discovered is that listening to, and I love this, uplifting music— I don't know what that means when you're in a secular world, but I think I know what it means for me. I think I know what it means for our context. Listening to uplifting music releases immune antibodies in our system, and it reduces the stress hormones in our body. Listening to music has that, that effect on us. Music is having 
an impact in our lives. It's fascinating that the same research shows that music can affect your heart rate, your breathing rate, your blood pressure. Music, our bodies are designed in such a way by God to respond to music. Something happened to some of you while we were worshiping this morning where, where tears came, where, where you felt the presence of God more. That's your body responding, your soul responding. We are complicated beings and music has a way of entering into all of that. Music is having an impact on you. You cannot escape that. So what we're gonna do is just spend a few minutes And I'm going to start with John. Oh, I have to be more specific. John, which one? They're all going, which one? John Jackson. Though I really have the same question for, hi. Everybody know who everybody is? You'll inter- we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we uh, tell everybody. So John is uh, director of the worship arts here at, at Grace. And we're so whoop, glad whoop. he's here. Yep. So... The question I have for everybody is really the same question, but I just want to get a discussion going. Um, What do you want people to know this morning? And how is music having an impact on you personally? And like I said, I'm going to start with John Jackson. And uh, you told us a story about uh, an airport experience. And I would love for you to share that story a little bit. So uh, this is... I actually uh, grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And so I was driving to... This is like when, this is the time that I think music specifically, I realized the power that God, like the power of God speaking to me through songs and teaching me about myself and about him. And there's this song that I had a bunch of worship leader friends. I wasn't leading worship yet. And I was driving to actually Detroit airport to pick up my sister. There was like a hurricane. It felt like it was like the hardest. I'm not, I'm not kidding. It was the hardest rain I'd ever, I'm like clutching the steering wheel. I was probably 18 and it's just pouring down rain. I was fearing for my life. And there was this song that all my friends were like, oh my gosh, you gotta listen to the song. You gotta listen to the song. And they're like, dude, you be by yourself, be where no one's around because you, you will cry when you hear this song. And so I wanna play, with, I wanna play for you just the first part of this song so you can experience what I experienced. Well, maybe you'll experience what I experienced or maybe not. But I'll tell you about my experience. It goes something like this. the song but that was it that was all it took for me and i'm bawling in the car everybody wants i was weeping we can sing that after church if you want to but i gotta tell you the story because it was profound in my life so i'm like you know i'm leading up to i'm like i'm not gonna cry that's just all my tender friends who are gonna weep and so i start listening to it that lit comes in i'm like oh that's kind of cool this is this is pretty good and then that line it said um a thousand times i failed so your mercy remains and i was instantly I couldn't see already because it was raining, and then I started crying, and I couldn't see. All the people around me were probably like, I hope this guy keeps it together because he's going to run us off the road. But what I realized, the reason I started crying is because that was the moment among many, well, that, that was not the moment. That was maybe the most major moment where I understood with clarity that God's mercy for me would never end. 
And so all the stuff that I had done leading up to that, all the stuff that I was wrestling with, that was, God was teaching me like, hey, I know exactly what you've done. And even if you fail a thousand more times, a million more times, my mercy will remain. So I, I, I learned about God's character and I learned about myself through this crazy, scary, weepy drive to the airport. And so one of the things that's pretty fascinating, I didn't realize you have a perfect segue here. So you also shared a story where, I don't know if you'd use the word failure, but you didn't respond the way maybe God was encouraging you. So maybe you could share that story a little bit. Yeah, so that, that, well. song, that story has a song with it too, and I'm going to ask the guys to play it with me. Can we play this together, guys? It's like this. When waters rise all around me, when mountains stand in the path I see, I look to love that's unfailing. I look to grace that is So we, this was probably a year and a half ago, and (laughs) there was this instance where my garage was flooding. And so this song came to mind because it was a really important song for the church that I was leading at the time. And I won't say that, oh yeah, God asked me to sing this song while my garage was flooding, but there was a connection there. So my garage was flooding. I'm like bailing water from my garage with a bucket. You know, Laura and Lincoln are kind of inside. We're trying to figure out what's going on. I'm running back to the back of my house to make sure water's flowing out of whatever it's supposed to be flowing out of to get the water out of my garage. And I felt the Lord say to me, John, will you worship me right now? And I'm soaking wet. I'm slipping all over the place. I'm really frustrated. I'm angry. I'm like, how are we ever going to figure this out? And he asked me, would you worship me right now? And I said, no. I didn't say, no, Lord, I'm not going to worship you. But he was calling me. He was like, let, let music have an impact in your life right now. And you happen to have a song that would have worked and perfectly. And the song was already there. This is a song I had sang a hundred times. He was even like, hey, maybe you could sing that song. It talks about the waters rising all around you. But I didn't. I didn't sing any song. And so that was one of the other thousand times I failed. But it was just like, you know, I was joking with Doug as we were talking about it. It's like, would God have evaporated the water from my garage if I had started to sing that song? I'm not sure. But didn't I, didn't, give him a chance. I, didn't, I didn't give him the option. Yeah, I didn't right. even give him the chance. And I actually shared it with the church afterwards. And I was just like, man, I'm a messed up dude if, you know, I'm trying to lead people in worship. And God calls me in my circumstance to let him move. And I said no. That's so great. that was another learn for me. That's awesome. Thank you. So, Flet, you um, have been going through some pretty hard stuff here in uh, the last month or so. And I wanted to just give you a chance to share some of that. And and how music is impacting you as you're going through that. Yeah, so, um, so one of the, like, my, the first pastor that I chose for myself, you know, when you, you actually get a chance to choose your own pastor, like, beforehand, your parents choose your pastor for you. And so I chose uh, a pastor, his name was Pastor Reggie Lane, uh, uh-huh. West Side of Detroit, Dunamis Outreach Ministries. And uh, he was the man that taught me about worship and uh, can't sing a lick, couldn't sing to save his life. He just couldn't. But he was a worshiper. 
I mean, just unashamedly, it was just unreal. And so um, he recently passed of cancer, 54 years old. And, uh, and it kind of, you know, it's still kind of surreal. Like, it didn't even make any sense because this man was, a, you know, God used him to, people actually were raised from the dead and gifts of you know, flowing healing, but now he's gone. But he taught us how to worship. And so we went to his homegoing service, I think it was last weekend. Um, and I don't know if you can ever call being at a funeral and actually being refreshed. Because what we did is we reflected his life and we worshiped. That's cool. Because uh, worship or, or music has this power to be transformational and transportational, right? And so it constantly reminds us of, you know, reminds us of God. In fact, praise releases faith. It's kind of like uh, the psalmist wrote that you, O Lord, uh, you, o, o Holy One, you are enthroned in the praises of your people, Israel. And the word praise that they use there is a song of praise. And so God shows up. He's enthroned when we sing. Well, when we sing, you know, that, something that reflects him, I should say, right? <laughs> uh, but it transformed me. I mean, I think about, you know, Saul. Uh, I think it's First Samuel chapter number 10. And Samuel, the prophet, says to him, hey, you know what? Um, you're going to go down the road, and you're going to meet a band of prophets. And they were actually a band of musicians. And they're going to be prophesying on their instruments. I want you to join them. And prophesying. So the scripture says that Saul actually goes with them and meets them and joins them. It says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he prophesied and became a new man, right? So that when we sing, that we're actually transformed. And so for, for me, in those low places or like, you know, I'm moved from despair to delight. And uh, so that's one of the ways that it works out for me. So Norfolk's our most quotable pastor. So if you're tweeting, music is both transformational and transportational. But you have another quote that you gave us when we first started talking about this. Um, and you probably know which one I'm talking about. Yeah. Music has the power. So you want to share that quote as well and what that means to you? Yeah, so uh, music has the power to indoctrinate you without your permission. Say that again. Music has the power to indoctrinate you without your permission. Uh, the idea is that most of us don't go around trying to learn songs, right? Usually we hear it once and we probably know the chorus the second or third time. We've got verses and bridges and all that kind of stuff. But all the while we're listening, it's teaching us something. Right. And we don't even realize it. And so I, I think that there's a Chinese proverb that says that music is the opium of the masses. So if you want to control a generation, give it some music, right? Because then all of a sudden, the way that they think starts to be changed and shifted. And so, you know, and, and I, think, yeah, I think this is one of the things that you just said earlier is that, you know, God, God is an artist. He's a chemist. He's a physiologist. So he knows how we are wired, right? And so if you think about the, the largest book in the Bible, what kind of book is it? It's a song book. The largest chapter in the Bible is a song. And so God was very intentional when he did that because he understood that music has the power to indoctrinate you. And so last thing, maybe I'll say it unless you ask me something else, is that even when you look at the children of Israel, so uh, they're, they're, I think it's Psalms 119, depending on who you talk to, or Psalms 120 to 134, they're called the Song of Ascent, right? And really it's traveling music, right? Because it's the moment that the children, they were singing these songs that they were, as they were pilgrimaging back, to, uh, to Jerusalem for the three major feasts. And so you think about when you're in your car, you probably have your own traveling music, 
right? Because music takes you to a place. In fact, it's the, the song of ascent. So you may be down in this place, but as you keep singing, it causes you to ascend. And so that's why it's really important that you are intentional about allowing music to impact your life. And, you know, what we would say uh, uh, musical worship to impact your life so that it can take you from one place to another. Transportational. Transportational. Music, yeah, thank you. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Mel, would you um, just share, you, you shared a little bit of a story of a, a hard season in your own life and um, how God moved in that. So, you know, so people that don't know that part of it, share a little bit of that story and maybe the song as well. Hi. <laughs> um, so, for, well, just first of all, thank you all so much for allowing us to lead you in worship. Amen. Whoop, whoop. It's, it's such an incredible privilege. Uh, it, it's, it's awesome. So thank you. Thank you very much. And, um, well, so we were, we were all talking about uh, music's ability to transform and bring us, bring us to different places. And um, one of the things that Doug said just before this was the power that music has to lift us from depression and from our circumstances. And I remember um, about 15 years ago, uh, do, you, do you all know I have six children? You should clap for that. Come whoop, on, whoop. people. Six I have children. six awesome children. Yeah. Um, three boys and then three girls. And, um, but many of you don't know is that I have seven babies in heaven. And seven, I know. Isn't that crazy? Um, and so about 15 years ago, one of those babies um, I had the privilege of carrying to full term. And then um, when she was born, she died. And so you can imagine the sense of overwhelming depression, which I had never... I'd never really experienced uh, the feeling of depression before, and um, I heard a crazy statistic the other day that over 50% of our country is on antidepressants. Um, but listen, listen to this. This is so cool. As I was studying, um, you know, being a worship leader, and that, that obviously is my passion to, to worship, um, I realized that over and over again, like in this passage, that worship music has the power to lift us from our depression. Amen. Cool, right? We could take a pill or we could pop in a CD. So, um, you know, I was, I was feeling low, you know, empty, down, despairing. And um, I just heard the little nudge of the Holy Spirit to put in this song, um, which John is going to help me out. And I'll, I'll sing a couple bars of it for you. So I put in this song. And I just was kind of sitting there, and then it was like, no, sing it. Stand up and start singing it. Now, mind you, I did not feel like worshiping God, okay? So when we're sad and depressed and horrible things are going on, do we feel like worshiping God? No, right? But I obeyed, and I knew that there was power in worship, so I started singing this song.
Yeah, exactly, exactly. So as I was singing hallelujah, I realized that it wasn't my circumstance that made me sing. It wasn't what was going on in my life. It wasn't even my feelings. It was his love. It was his character. It was who he was. And then something broke in me that day where I, I felt better. Yeah, I felt better. And that heaviness and that depression started to lift. And so then there were many more days of obedience, of obeying him and worshiping him, and out the depression went. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember um, in those days, I was not on staff here, um, but I remember you lead us in, leading us in worship, and I remember being amazed um, at your ability to take us places that you were obviously having to go in a very brutal season. So thanks for your faithfulness in that season. It meant a lot. So I wanted you to share one more story, Mel, because I just part of what I was hoping for today is I want you to understand the power of music, but I wanted you to get to know your worship leaders a little bit. You don't get to hear them talk nearly as much as Norflood and I. Um, so just give you a chance to get into their heads a little bit and know them. But you also shared a story um, about a song that we do now and how that song was difficult for you, or maybe you couldn't have done it a while ago. Can you just kind of bring some of that to light and maybe share some of that song? So you guys know the song, We Do Good, Good Father? So awesome, right? So, but anyways, um, a couple years ago, uh, yeah, Doug, you're right. I probably couldn't have sung that song with the amount of feeling and passion that I sing it now. Um, so my dad, my stepdad was... Uh, an alcoholic, and uh, I was raised with stepdad, and, you know, he, he tried, you know, we, we don't like to slam our parents, but, you know, he wasn't like a great dad, right? So um, my mom was awesome, and so I had a great heart connection with her, but in terms of my father, I didn't really have a good father in my life, and so uh, in my Christian life, I would always pray, you know, dear Jesus, I love you so much, and Jesus, Jesus and I, we were like tight, but my best, my best friend, uh, she would always pray Heavenly Father when we would pray together. And I'd be like, oh, that's so nice that she prays Heavenly Father. That's good for her. And da-da-da. So this one day, um, my friends and I were sitting around, and uh, Sarah was there that day. You remember me bawling my eyes out. Um, so we were sitting around, and my friend said, okay, so everyone um, just pray right now and just picture where uh, the Father is in your life. And so we all opened our eyes, and all my friends went around, and we're like, oh, the father, he's just, he's so close. He has his arms around me, and da-da-da. And I was like, oh, shoot, like the father is not close to me, you know. And so the father was really far away. Jesus and I, good, but Father God was far. And so I said that, and we did some prayer, and um, Father God revealed himself to me as a good, good father that day, just with snot and bawling all that stuff, and, um, but just showing me that he, he was and is a good, good father, and he's close and intimate and cares about me. Even though my earthly father was not so good, he was good, That's and great. so that song really, really does mean a lot to me. That's great. I sing it in every worship set I lead, so you probably figured that one out. Great. <laughs> well, John, I want to give you a chance to share a little bit. Um, you talked a little bit about uh, how you're using music uh, especially in the mornings. I want you to talk a little bit about that and then maybe segue a little bit into how you've brought it into your family dynamic. Um, so let's start with the morning. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. So I'm, I'm not really a morning person. 
And, uh, you know, Monday mornings can be difficult because, uh, you know, we're getting ready for the work week. And one, a mentor had said to me, he said, you know, you, you love God, John, but, you know, you go to the work, the work week, and I, I wouldn't be able to tell that you love God, right? That kind of spirit of grumbling and the work week. And so I tried to um, use the commute. I drive 30 minutes, sometimes more. And just turning on worship, and uh, it's helped me so much just to be reminded because we we're forgetful. We forget how good He is and all the good things He does in our life. And uh, they're your songs of ascent. Yes, that's cool. Yeah, and my brother always likes to tease me uh, for having tinted windows. They're not crazy tinted, but just a little bit. Uh, but now it's a little party in the in the car. <laughs> sometimes I'm laughing. Sometimes I'm I'm jamming or crying or whatever, but it's very helpful for me just to get reset, reminded, especially when we're off track and disobedient, just to come back. And that's sort of um, some additional time with the Lord to just absorb the worship. And uh, So is that all you listen to in your car? You know, sometimes I I love all music. I I, I like listening to sports, sports talk radio, but everything, it just comes back to, um, what's going to feed me what's where's the medicine coming from right. and uh you know so there's nothing wrong with you know country music or rap music Thanks or hip hop or r&b there's nothing wrong with any of that it's just uh i want to go to the source too and that's you know that's going to help help me yeah. the most so. i i think part of it is that paying attention like what are you listening to sometimes i'm like singing along and then i'm like oh that's not a good thing so we just do it. Like, that's the indoctrination without your permission thing that we got to lean into. So we talked when we were talking about sports talk radio and you know, political commentary. I just, I'm just telling you, you need to be careful because it's having an impact on you. So talk about your family. Uh, I know we have a little track that we're going to play, but, but kind of how you've brought music into the home and what you've seen. What are you trying to teach your kids through music? How are you using music at home? Yeah, I heard uh, an interview, Toby Mack, he's a pretty well-known Christian artist and has a lot of fun dance music. And he said one thing they do in their household is when they do the dishes, they will bump music, kind of like that, you know, old lady in the video. And so one thing, you know, I want, I have uh, three, three little girls, another girl coming. And uh, yeah, thank you. Speaking of the circle of life. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, You know, I, I want my girls, like John was saying, to, to, to have the joy of the Lord. And if, as, if I'm their father and their mom, if we don't have the joy of God and the fun, you know, that passion for the Lord, and they just see rules and, you know, routine and the kind of the chores and duties of following God, like I don't want to pass that on. I want to pass on some of that joy. So, you know, during, during when we're doing dishes or cleaning up, we're playing some loud music. Such as? Let's play some of it. So this is a song that John uses. And you can dance if you want. Come on. About to do it like this. I think it needs to be a little bit louder. Was nice moves. So that was awesome. <laughs> Busted. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's funny. 
I look at different examples. Um, I love when we're doing worship and I see Jay up here, you know, the energy and abandon, just worshiping, not caring whatever anyone else is thinking. Norfleck comes to mind, just kind of doing his little groove side to side. Just, and that's the thing, like the, the, world's, the world's masculine example is to be very reserved, no emotion, and dancing. Like what? That, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of humbling. It's kind of uh, maybe a little embarrassing. You know, oftentimes, uh, if you think about a wedding or the context of dancing or even middle school dances, everyone's kind of, you know, this, like real reserved. And, and honestly, right, think about a wedding. When do people start dancing after they've had a few, right? And so, but here we are in this time or throughout, hopefully throughout the week, where we get to worship the Lord and do we bring that energy to him? Are we ashamed to worship him? Are we ashamed to dance before the Lord? If he appeared right now, I mean, we'd probably all fall down in worship, but you know what I'm saying? So yeah. are we, and I'll just, one more example. So today at, at 1 or 105, whenever kickoff is, I'm going to be watching the game. Are they playing at 1? No idea. And so think about this. So if Calvin catches a touchdown in the back of the end zone, I'm going to be off the couch doing one of these, like, oh, like that, right? And if, and if he's on your fantasy football team, you'll probably be even more excited. But, <laughs> but my point is, is that we bring all this energy to so many things. Like the, after the Lions score, the whole crowd sings that song, that, I don't know, whatever, or think more of like college fight songs. We sing all these songs. We bring all this energy and enthusiasm, especially through music. But are we bringing that to the Lord? And again... There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with desiring things. We were talking about this Friday, like God, he's our creator. He made us desire things, right? There's nothing wrong with like desiring to, you know, watch a football game or get excited about something or whatever, but are we bringing any of that enthusiasm or passion or energy to, to the Lord? Yeah. So um, this question is just out there for whichever one of you want to answer it, and um, we're going to have to wrap things up here pretty quick. But what do you want to say to the people who are out here who are not worship leaders? You all have a musical gift, a musical talent that you bring to the stage. What, what do you think they need to hear? Go ahead. Well, maybe I'll, I'll – uh, so I told you my pastor can't sing a lick. He doesn't have any musical gift in his poem. Uh, not – yeah, so – so when he uh, was in the hospital a few days before he died, um, he wrote, because he, he couldn't talk, so he had a whiteboard, and so he, you know, because he just was telling people what to do. And uh, so the first thing he said is like, he said, stop concentrating on cancer, right? He said, live in the conclusion, right? I'm just, anyway, just madness. So 15, maybe 18 months ago, we were at, uh, our CD release party, or I'm sorry, a reunion party, and um, that's when everybody knew that he had cancer. And he said, "All I know is I'm not dying today, and with my last breath, I'm going to worship him." Can't sing a lick, so he didn't think singing was the prerequisite for worship. Right. So, uh, so he can finally talk. Comes out in a coma. And he leans over to, I think, one of his kids and said, go get our worship leader. And so they went and got the worship leader. She came uh, with him, came to the hospital, and he said, let's worship. And they started singing. And a moment later, he was gone. 
Isn't that cool? Because he was determined that with his last breath, Jesus was going to get glory. That's cool. So we're going to um, end with a song. Um, and I actually chose this song, and I have a story to go with it. Um, it's been a hard season of ministry. I've never had more joy uh, in what I'm doing um, in my life, uh, in work. Um, yet at the same time, um, I feel the weight of being a shepherd. Um, and there are people at Grace um, who are stuck in making some pretty horrific choices, um, bringing about great pain in their family. Um, and I go home at night, and um, I, I am not ever going to be the worship leader playing the guitar, but I play the guitar, and sometimes I don't know what to pray. Um, and so God has given me a song um, that I've been singing and praying for you um, and for particular people in my life who I, I just believe this. I believe that if we would just cry out to Jesus, everything would change. If we would sincerely cry to Jesus, and so people who are stuck, people who are making horrific choices, if they would just in a moment say, I am, I am a wreck, and all I need is you, Jesus, everything would change. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you, is the passage. So um, there is this song, and this is about... 100 miles out of my comfort zone, but we're going to do it anyway. Lost our safe, find their way at the sound of Jesus' name. The enemy has to flee at the sound of Jesus' name. So to close out our time together, we're going to stand together. And we're going to sing and declare this over each other. Part of what God called, used music to do is for his church to, to encourage and lead each other. So it's not about one person leading everybody. It's about us encouraging. And there's lots of times in the New Testament where that happens. Through songs, says, you know, sing to one another in hymns and spiritual songs and encourage one another. And so we're going to sing this together as a church, hoping that while we sing and when we sing and as we do it together, that chains will be broken by the power and the love of Jesus. Amen. So let's sing this. There is power. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power.
chains would be broken. Lord, help us to be the people you've called us to be. In Jesus' holy name, amen. If you need prayer, feel free to come down here. You'll get a bag on the way out, fill it with groceries. Make sure you stop at a kiosk and let us know which alpha group you're going to be a part of.